Welcome to the Evolpreneur AI Advantage Show. I'm your host, Richard Ray. My mission is to help entrepreneurs understand AI and use it to their advantage. Join me today where we dig deep with our guests and get you the best concepts and strategies. Today's special guest is Ross Dawson. Ross is a futurist, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and best-selling author. He has delivered keynotes and strategy workshops to businesses around the world and is the founding chairman of Advanced Human Technologies Group of Companies. Today, we're talking about leveraging the potential of humans plus AI for entrepreneurs. Ross, welcome to the show. Wonderful to be with you, Richard. Really good to have you here. Now, Ross, I really just scratched the surface of what you do, and I know we don't have a huge amount of time on this podcast, but can you just give us a little bit of a flavor because you, you're all over the world, you're doing amazing things. So I'm a, the core of it is futurist and entrepreneur. So the futurist is keynote speaker. I work with uh, executives and boards to think about effectively about the future and how to guide their strategy, write books and so on. Mm -hmm. But the entrepreneur is the doing. So I have a variety of ventures and the way in which I learn about how the future is unfolding is by actually doing things. So I have some ventures in AI space amongst other things. And so essentially playing with things to learn about them so that I can communicate and help others uh, in uh, creating a better future than we could have otherwise. Fantastic. So how are you using AI and how do you see, see it helping other entrepreneurs? There's one of the key distinctions between generative AI and analytic AI. So generative AI uh, really came on the scene with ChatGPT uh, late mm -hmm. last year where we can, amongst other things, use language. We can ask it to create uh, thing text. We can say, write a blog post. We can use images to be able to create pictures. We can create videos. So this is a quite distinct from more traditional AI. And this is some way we can actually interact with it. We can say, what do you think of this idea? Do you have any other perspectives? Can you uh, fl flesh out a marketing plan? These are things which are all intensely useful and very uh, accessible to anybody. Analytic AI is really about taking massive pools and data to be able to predict, to be able to provide recommendations, to be able to make uh, de uh, decisions within specific domains. So this is harder to set up and is really require you know more often requires larger organizations or broader capabilities mm -hmm. but there's increasingly ways in which software is embedding these types of capabilities to be able to create things so right now for most entrepreneurs or those who are with the smaller businesses the generative ai is creating an extraordinary opportunity to be able to assist them in whatever their tasks are to be able to say this is what i do in my business to identify ways in which ai can uh, accelerate that to improve the quality to make it faster better or cheaper and mm -hmm. this is then the requires the intent of the entrepreneur understanding what it is they want and identifying how it is and pulling that into their workflow to amplify their organization that's really interesting so how are you seeing you know have you got some good examples of where have you seen say a solo entrepreneur or somebody with a small team around them actually really change the state of their business by using ai so the most obvious application is in creating content. And I think there's, you know, we can say there's internal content and external content. So external content in terms of creating uh, you know, blog posts or content for social media and many organizations are using that. So one, um, you know, a colleague I know is essentially that they're, they're driving part of an organization to drive 
quality content at scale across a wide variety of platforms. So this requires not just using the tools, but also building the workflows because humans need to be involved in this process all the time. These uh, AI are uh, fallible in many ways. They say things that are wrong. They say things which are not well put. They say they hallucinate. Are, uh, yes, that's right. They make up things. Uh, yeah. So you do need to check uh, what they're doing. So there's, we have to put humans in the process. And part of that is simply just checking things. Mm -hmm. Part of it is being able to say, you know, one of the wonderful ways to uh, use generative AI is to say, okay, I'm looking for some ideas here. Give me five of those. And then you can select. So well, of all those five ideas or this is the best one, or this is the best mm -hmm. title, for example, if you're uh, sharing some content. So these are ways in which we need to learn to use the AI, not just something which we delegate to, where it becomes part of the workflow, where a human does a task and they mm -hmm. sort of frame, all right, this is what I need to help the AI with, uh, get the AI to help me with. AI then helps them. And the human then can check or verify or adapt or improve or select or whatever it may be, and then moving on things. So in this case of the uh, this, this organization, they have uh, built this workflow. So it's not just saying, okay, well, if you've got AI, this is wonderful. It doesn't happen automatically. You can't expect it to do what it is just off the bat. You need to be understand its fallibilities and understand what is the workflow which you can include it in which will create your outcomes quicker and faster and more effectively. What sort of traps have you seen people falling into? I mean, you know, common mistakes that people are making with AI right now. So in terms of just general, you know, in, in use of generative AI, the, probably the single biggest mistake is people just try one thing and either accept it or say that's not good enough. So many people have played with, uh, you know, ChatGPT or some of the many other tools out here. And they say, all right, I've got a problem. I want to get ChatGPT to help me with it. And the answer they get back is not very useful. They say, oh, all right, I'll, I'll go and forget about this. Whereas this is something where you always need to keep refining and learning. So first of all, you need to learn by doing. So it's, it's one of those, you know, that we have a growth mindset in education and in life generally, which is this idea of, you know, the difference between saying, oh, well, the results I get now will be the results I get forever, or I can improve at this. And that's the way in which we need to work with AI effectively. This is about humans plus AI and how they can work effectively together. So the single biggest mistake is stopping and expecting the first thing you do get is what you're going to get uh, over time. Whereas you can keep on trying, refining, asking for better, asking for different, taking different approaches, uh, you know, learning from other people around different techniques and so on. So this is a skill to develop. And this one which uh, I think many people stop too quickly and don't keep on working with what these machines can create uh, in order to get the best results. So it sounds like you're seeing people generally embracing but trying to do things. Have you ever seen anybody really kind of pushing back and not grasping what the potential of AI is? Oh, massively. There's uh, there's lots of people who, uh, on, on various fronts, as I said, either they sort of try it, they say, oh, you know, this is, this is dumb or this mm -hmm. isn't very good. Uh, they leave that. There's others who, uh, you know, don't see all of the places that this could create value in their organization. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But all you need is one starting point. 
and once you found one starting point, you can start to see some of the other ways. So there's people who just don't see the potential value of that. Others who aren't prepared, uh, prepared to spend the time and others who are concerned about, well, two, you know, there's many other, I suppose, aspects of people pushing back, but one is they feel that this is ethically wrong. As in, for example, it's been trading on a lot of intellectual property who don't want to deal with these tech giants mm -hmm. who are creating these uh, these types of tools. And so there's a various kinds of sentiment as well as just you know not being able to see the value in various guises, which mean that many people are not on board yet or simply just haven't tried enough to be able to uh, to apply it to their business. I'm interested in your reference to the ethical side of it. Uh, tell me, what's your view on the ethics of using AI? Because yes, it is mining from lots of different places and there's potential for replication. And you really do have to impose your authentic self on top of the results that come out of AI. And when you put the content out, as you say, tweak it to make sure that it's got your voice to it. But ethically, what's the biggest pushback that you've had and how do you advise people to get past this? Or if you do? Well, well, there are many ethical issues. And so... I think one of the most important ones is bias. The reality mm -hmm. is these machines have been trained on all of human data up to now, and mm -hmm. human society has had a lot of bias in it up to now. So you've got to expect that these machines are going to effectively uh, have bias to them. So we need to start by this, you know, one of the ways in which we need to assess all of these, uh, all of the outputs is saying, you know, is this fair? Is this reasonable? Is this, you know, not favoring, mm -hmm. uh, you know, white males? Uh, you know, over other people in uh, in its responses. You know, I think that's one one layer. I think that the issue of intellectual property is certainly in terms of text far less relevant because the training data is a very large proportion of what is available on the web, and so there's mm -hmm. no particular type of content which is being used. It's not uh, replicating anything. It is looking for patterns across literally billions of uh, you know, words or equivalents of books. Images, I, I think that there, again, there's ways in which people are addressing uh, the intellectual property and image creation. But if I think, you know, there are concerns if, for example, you say, okay, working in a particular artist style and that particular artist has expressed that they don't want to have their things used, that's one thing. But again, this is training on all of human data. So there are, you know, there are different stances on it. I feel mm -hmm. comfortable with my own use of the uh, these generative AI tools, but I still think we need to be aware of where, you know, for example, uh, we might be, you know, deliberately copying somebody's style. So I sometimes get uh, content created in the style of Ross Dawson, which is mm -hmm. fair enough since that's me and there's a lot of uh, content out there the machines can uh, use. But, um, you know, if I'm trying to create content in someone else's style, then, you know, that I need to make it my own, but to sort of take this and uh, put it out there as, you know, drawing on someone else's, uh, directly on somebody else's work. So where do you see the line drawn, though, between AI actually referencing other people's work? And you can pretty much think of any field you want, from music to movies to books to style of work. Where's the line between AI doing it and a person seeing something and saying, hey, I want to be like that person. I want to be like Ross Dawson. It's... Uh, well, we, we're all inspired by and build on whatever has come before us. So, you know, as you suggest, that's the reality is we are, 
even when we are writing, whether we're conscious or not, we're imitating or drawing on what we've seen mm -hmm. before and uh, has influenced us. So, you know, I think that is one argument, which you know, again suggests that why using generative AI is uh, entirely feasible, but these are individual choices. Mm -hmm. And that's just a starting point. And then once you make your choices, you can then apply it, whatever the way which you feel comfortable with to create value for your organization and everything around that. So let's just step away from the generative side for a moment and go back to the analytical side, which you mentioned earlier on. I've seen some fantastic examples where analytical AI has been using things, say, to screen for breast cancer, some fantastic examples of that. What are the sort of examples that you're seeing? And when do you expect them to trickle down to the smaller organizations and even solo entrepreneurs? So the best example for most business is optimization. How do you optimize mm -hmm. a process or uh, logistics or any other things? And in fact, there is software available which does use these algorithms which uh, uh, smaller organizations can use. You don't need to establish your own AI systems to mm -hmm. be able to uh, apply some of these algorithms. So, you know, another great example is predictive maintenance, where if you have, you know, manufacturing or cars or machinery or whatever kind, uh, the AI using the data from the machines can predict when it might fail and what you might do to beforehand just so that it doesn't actually fail and you're not fixing things after they're broken. So these optimization and is, is one of the most important ones. And the other one is more broadly is low level decisions. So, you know, the classic example of this is a, uh, is a credit lending decision, which, you know, in the mm -hmm. case, Smaller organization might be: Do I extend credit to a, uh, you know, to a uh, client? And mm -hmm. this is where you know the data on which you have available can start to be useful in making a decision. The same, well, this is whether or not I will uh, extend this credit, or for how long, or just any other low-level or you know very specific decisions in the organizations where you don't want a person to be looking lots of data and spending time to be able to make a judgment but where we can use data to be able to create a, you know, a very uh, useful and quick uh, decision, which uh, moves the organization forward. Which AI tools are you finding most interesting right now? So I tend to go straight to the, uh, the, the generative AI language models. So that includes uh, GPT-4, and particularly Code Interpreter, which is a uh, one of the tools within GPT-4, but also uh, Claude 2, one of the other language models is very strong, and I also mm -hmm. use some of the other ones as well. In fact, I had a very instructive conversation with uh, Pi, Pi, which is the um, which is the product of uh, inflection, which is which essentially had a conversation about my business and uh, or my startup where, where it's a, able to identify ideas and thoughts which were useful to me in my business and that was you know again a, just a one of many tools that are available and are you finding that different types of ai tools you know you mentioned chat gpt you've mentioned you know some of the other ones there uh, are you finding they are better for different types of conversations so if you want something about a business you go to choice A, if you wanted something to create a script, you might go to choice B. How are you finding that's panning out? So there's a whole array of different parameters around what model you might choose. Um, GPT-4 or ChatGPT is generally uh, a very solid 
for general conversation, for ideas, for mm -hmm. uh, creating content. Uh, Claude 2 has a particular advantage through it has uh, able to use a, a very large amount of text. So you could actually mm -hmm. pull a whole book's worth into there and ask for a summary and so on. And Pi that I mentioned is very effective for um, for more conversational engaging uh, discussions. And the uh, Bing, which draws on ChatGPT, so in Microsoft's browser, mm -hmm. is better for more recent information since it's tied in and can actually search some of that. So that's just a few of the parameters you might use to select these models. Yeah, I think most people have heard of ChatGPT, but it always comes up with that statement saying, my data cuts off at date X, whereas you say, bing, bang up to date with everything that's on board there. How are you seeing that AI is going to change the job market going forward? Because we hear you know, prophecies of doom about what AI is going to do, but what do you see as the reality of it? In the very big picture, I can believe that we will continue to have full employment for as long as we can imagine. And I think mm -hmm. that that shifts in how organization works or shift in the, the work that we value. So many tasks within roles and jobs of today will erode. But I believe that we, we certainly can. And I think there's more likely that we will design organizations and jobs so that these tools are used to amplify people rather than mm -hmm. replace them, to use them to be productive, to be able to create more value. We are going to start to value more uh, the human aspects of relationships, of empathy, of engagement, as well as of applying expertise and creativity. So what there will be is a, is a massive disruption. So there are many roles which will be disappearing or changing or evolving, whereas new ones uh, emerge or change over time. So we are going to need strong education. We are going to need organizations responding well to this. Uh, but I think that I, I'm positive uh, that, that we will start, we will continue to have a very rapidly evolving workplace, which will still see almost all people having productive roles in society. Do you see that, that then, and this is partly an ethical question, do you see it will lead to a better work-life balance or will it be a case of some managers may just use it to their advantage and say, no, you must do way more now for the same amount of hours? Uh, I, I don't know if that's AI in particular is, is driving these dynamics. Uh, I think we have, you know, essentially ask more from people, do more with less has been the mantra for quite a while. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, generally, I think that will continue to a point, but there is pushback where we do need talented people mm -hmm. to in, in this work. There is things which are more complex. We need people who can bring themselves, the, all of themselves to their roles. And so organizations that do not respect the people working for them, and the reality is that they do want uh, things other than work in their lives, are uh, not going to attract the most talented people. So uh, we will see abuse, uh, generally, as we always have. But I think that the need to attract the most talented will drive, um, you know, essentially I'll respect for, uh, for workers and the way in which work is designed by certainly the, those, those organizations that are most successful. So people aren't going to change just because AI is there? Well, we are in a way, that's a, it's a, it's a, that's a big question. And it is a really interesting one. And... I think that we are in a way changing, partly because this is the first time ever we have something to understand ourselves relative to. 
So now we can compare ourselves. Oh, well, AI can do this and I can do better, or in some things it can do better than me. Or, mm -hmm. and so in a way we are defining, understanding who we are as humans in a more refined way than we did before. So I think it does change our, our sense of what it is to be alive and to be human. Uh, you know, I don't think it's, it's, I think actually in, in quite a fundamental way, and we're going to experience this in coming years around this, uh, this idea of what, what is it to be human? Well, uh, people's framing of that will be different as AI advances. It almost sounds there like we are in a competition with a different species. Well, two points are there. One is, yes, I, I say that, you know, one of the many ways A's in AI, which we can use as alien intelligence, because its intelligence is different from us. You know, in some ways, it's been designed around human intelligence. In mm -hmm. other ways, it's, um, you know, gives insights into human intelligence, but it is different in its nature in many ways. So I think it's, it's useful to think of it. It's not like, it's not like us. It is not human intelligence. It is alien. It is different. So I think it is different, but I don't think we are in competition. This goes to the whole theme of my work around humans plus AI, which is all based on this idea of what is it that humans and AI can do together? And if we focus on that, then and, you know, and not even have that competitive frame, we will be able to create extraordinary things. So I don't think this is a fact of competition. Yeah, sure. No, uh, nobody can beat the best uh, chess uh, AI player. We still play lots of chess and we still really mm -hmm. enjoy it. And so, were we competing against computers? No. In fact, computers are helping us to be better chess players, uh, is just to sense. take one example. So I think, you know, we, we shouldn't even be framing any form of competition. They're saying, we have these extraordinary tools. How can we best use them? What can humans plus AI do to create a better life, society, business, whatever we want to achieve? That sounds like great advice. I always ask my guests, what's that one piece of advice that any of our listeners, if they only take one thing from today, that this should take away from this conversation? It is about building workflows in your organizations which use humans for what they are best at, and AI was what they are best at. So this whole frame of humans plus AI is around not just you know, allocating tasks, it's around a workflow. What is it you want to achieve? What is the workflow and what can humans and AI respectively do to be able to achieve that? And that's going to what is support the best performing organizations of tomorrow. Fantastic advice. Ross, where can people find you and what new projects have you got that you want people to look out for? Uh, RossDawson.com is uh, the center for my speaking work. The central uh, website for most of the rest of my work is amplifyingcognition.com, which points to quite a few of my projects, but probably the one which is of most interest uh, to your listeners is uh, humansplus.ai, which is a community for people who are learning about humans and AI and how they can best create value together. Fantastic. Well, Ross, thank you for a very stimulating conversation. Been wonderful to talk with you, Richard. Well, that's a wrap on another awesome guest episode for the Evolvener AI Advantage Show. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we would be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending this show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at AIadvantage.show right now. Until next time, I'm Richard Ray, and if you're an entrepreneur, get the AI Advantage today. <laughs>